What's up? This is the You're Not Listening to This podcast with Will and Deanna James. Uh, If you happen to be listening to this, we want to take a few minutes to just say thank you. Uh, And that's totally weird of you, and you should really consider making better choices in your life. Uh, But since you're here, we're going to try to entertain you. Um, We're going to take a break today from our normal religious conversations uh, and talk a little more about just relationships in general and issues that come up between couples of all styles, dating, married, anything. Uh, and, And one thing that we wanted to talk about, because we think it's a big deal for pretty much everyone, Uh, is communication issues. I remember when we were going through premarital counseling, I was given a book uh, by a pastor um, when we were living in St. Louis called His Needs, Her Needs. Um, And a lot of of the the issues in the book, well, we didn't particularly care for the book. I'll say that. (laughs) Yeah, not my favorite book by any means, but... Um, But, you know, it talked a lot about... uh, different types of communication um, and learning each other's love languages. Uh, And so for me, a lot of that information actually was kind of new. Uh, For Deanna, it probably wasn't uh, as she's a therapist. I mean, she went to school to learn a lot of these kinds of things. So a lot of it was old hat for her. But that being said, she is kind of the expert in this issue. So uh, luckily for you, she gets to uh, take the lead here. So D? Yeah, um, I will say, though, with it being old hat for me, it's all new hat when it's your own relationship. You can you can know all these theories and all this information and all these great things, but then when it comes to it being your own relationship and your, your own discussions and your own dialogues and everything, it becomes a whole different ballgame because you all of a sudden lack all kinds of insight. And I say that to say that um, we do not have all the answers. And so, you know, we're just here talking about what we have learned and what we're continuing to learn and what's going well for us, what we think might, you know, might help you. And, um, we encourage you to send us questions and feedback and, um, yell at us, whatever, whatever you feel like about communication. But like Will was saying, we learned, of course, you know, we did the love language test that I think everybody does in premarital counseling and, um, you know, learned each other's love languages, which we actually repeated again this this year. And I think actually I learned some new stuff from that. So that's always a good one to kind of go back to. But one of the most important things in becoming a couple and learning to be a couple is learning to speak each other's language in general. And that's, that sounds maybe weird or um, you're not really sure what that means, but I think um, Will kind of says it best. Can you tell a little bit about that? I think the thing for the two of us, it has a lot to do with our professions. Um, I'm an attorney and you're a therapist and we end up learning essentially to be very particular and specific with our word choices and make sure we're saying exactly what we mean um, so not to get caught in any traps. And then as a therapist, you're more inclined to try to look behind a word to see what might be intended, you know, based on those word choices and trying to look for deeper meanings. And that's not just something that we necessarily learned in school. I think that we picked our professions based on how we already kind of interact with people, you know, cause I've, I've always been that way. I always tend to say exactly what I mean. And 
I think you tend to dance around what you really want to say sometimes. Uh, and it's important to be aware of those differences in how uh, your significant other speaks. Uh, but more importantly, it's significant to understand that most people think that their way of communicating is the only kind of communication that makes sense. It's what you're used to doing. It's usually inherited from the people you're raised by, uh, you know, your your parents or your siblings. And as a result, it tends to be not only your normal, but typically the only thing you've ever experienced with any regularity. So what becomes your normal feels universally normal. And so you have to kind of develop this humility to understand that your way isn't necessarily the best way. It's just the only way you know how. And a lot of times figuring that out doesn't happen very easily or as quickly as it could because you try to be politically correct with each other. You don't want to hurt each other's feelings, uh, which is obviously a good thing in a relationship. But, but how can our spouses be expected to take care of our needs and how can we take care of theirs when we're too afraid to voice them? Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I will say that that actually took us a while I think um, still takes all the time. I will be like, this is, I don't understand. Like, this is just how you think this is, you know, and realizing that somebody else's brain works differently. Somebody else's mode of communication is different. Their norms, their family of origin, all of that is different. And that that's not bad. It's just different. And um, I think it takes a lot to be able to recognize that and discuss that and kind of hash that out with each other. And, and sometimes that can be, you know, create a lot of arguments or whatever. But but if you don't go there, if you don't start to realize that you communicate in different ways, you say different things, your words have different meanings. Like you said, you get like straight to the point. You know, I'm always like, well, but what does he really mean by that? He really means exactly what he said. <laughs> not some assumption I'm making, not some innuendo, not some like, what's he really saying behind that? No, no, it's that's really what he means. And that's my normal. And so I don't get that you don't get it when it happens. Uh, but what has taken a long time for me to understand is that Normal is kind of a bad word. Absolutely. There's all this judgment that comes with normal because if something's not doesn't fit into your normal, then it's abnormal. It's almost wrong. It's not the right way to talk or the right way to behave or the right way to interact. And it becomes its own breakdown in the communication because now you're not disagreeing about what you're talking about. You're disagreeing about how you're talking about it. So you have this extra argument in there that's got nothing to do with anything. It's just you're not matching each other's modes of conversation. Yeah, it's about process versus content. Yeah. Like, for instance, I noticed one thing that um, I don't think it frustrates you, but it frustrates me. Um, I ask really random questions, and I know they're random but they really don't mean anything other than those questions. And so what tends to happen, and it's not just with you, this has been with most of the people I interact with throughout my entire life, is I'll ask a question, and instead of getting the answer to the question, you tend to answer with what you assume my question meant. Right. Uh, which is never the answer to the question I asked. And like I get where you're going. I'm like, oh, well, she just thought I was asking that because... 
I clearly mean this other thing. Uh, and I don't. I never do. Like I, <laughs> Yeah, I'm like 10 steps ahead of what I think is your thought process. And so instead right. of answering, have you done laundry this week? Or like, you know, are there any clean white clothes? I'm like, what's he really asking? Oh, well, I don't know where your, your white dress shirt is. He wasn't asking me about a white dress shirt. He was asking if there was, a, you know, and that's a silly example, but... I like jump like 10 steps ahead and try and guess what he's really meaning. And that's just like his style of communication is just to be very direct. This is really the question he's asking. But now instead of just re-asking the question to get the answer I was going for, I'm now irritated that you didn't get it, that you didn't get that I just meant that. And so my understanding what I always mean, bumping up against you not quite getting it, creates an anger for me that has nothing to do with you just because of our perceived normals being different things. But if you don't go there and if you don't start to talk about those things, it can, you know, it can definitely create problems. And, you know, what you were saying about how can we be expected to meet our our spouse's needs or our significant other's needs if we don't voice them. And I think one of the things that I see as a therapist, and uh, I think there's there's definitely a large group of people out there that believe that, you shouldn't have to voice your needs. You shouldn't have to ask. Your significant other should just know it. They should just know you so well that they're able to to anticipate your needs. There's something to that. I mean, eventually. But I feel like people jump directly to that. Um, you know, you get married and then you expect each other to just be able to read the other one's mind. But that takes a long, well, reading each other's minds is impossible, but it takes a really long time to kind of be in such, to have that kind of synergy. Yeah, but you're never going to know what I'm actually thinking if I don't tell you. Right. Especially and, if it's hidden. Like, I can read your mood. I can read your body sure. language. But when it's all hidden, because I'm just supposed to know, that right. gets really difficult. And, you know, another thing about that is there's a lot of things going on in an adult's mind at any given time. So maybe if everyone gave each other 100% of their attention all the time, you would see things a little bit quicker. But, you know, when you're processing your work day and dealing with some kids running around the house, you don't necessarily pick up on all the body language clues and all of the little innuendos that are there. And it's like, look, you know, I'm doing the best I can here. Right. It's okay to just say what you need. Like I understand sometimes you don't feel like it. You want to be noticed. And I'm not saying you, I'm anyone. I want to be noticed, you know, for sure. We, you just kind of have to come to these places where you don't hold that against each other. Cause then you end up having fights you don't need to have. Right. But, Speaking your needs and speaking what you want requires a certain level of vulnerability and openness and um, expectation that the other person is going to meet those needs. And I think that speaks a little bit to um, what happens when one of us gets upset, specifically when I get upset. We have this thing that happens often when I'm upset by something, not necessarily that you did, but just like upset in, a, in any given situation. I never do anything, so. 
Oh, that's right. He is the perfect husband, y'all. And so he never does anything that would upset me. She said it. I did. It is It is on record now. <laughs> Making it my ringtone. <laughs> but um, I struggle, y'all. I struggle with... Um, I struggle with vulnerability and I struggle with saying what I mean and, and, and saying what I need for sure. But, um, when I'm upset or, or when I'm angry or anxious or whatever, a lot of times Will tries to fix it. Yeah. I don't, I, I am a person that doesn't particularly think that there are a lot of gender norms uh, in relationships, but that is a thing. Like that's, that's a guy thing. Uh, we always think that it's going to be our job to fix a problem. Even it doesn't matter how much we know or are told that sometimes the whole goal is just to be there and to listen, to be the sounding board for your significant other's frustration. Uh, but it just, it's blatantly against nature. It, you, I feel rude trying not to f- attempt to fix your frustrations. I know you probably just need to be affirmed uh, and I I can just sit there quietly or, you know, just kind of nod my head and agree or just say, you know, I can't believe that girl said that to you or I can't believe this happened to you at work. And, you know, half the time, honestly, men, we don't even really have to be paying attention and it would work just fine. But I think a lot of it ends up being, for me at least, when I'm trying to fix things, I'm really projecting because... I don't deal with anxiety very well. I go completely interior, withdrawn to my mind, and I'm not even really in the room anymore. I don't know what I'm saying or not saying or what I'm looking like. Uh, and to avoid my poor handling of my anxiety, I just don't let things bother me. So in my head, when things happen to you, I try to make light of them. I try to make a joke or... Uh, I you know kind of come up with a, a so what attitude, but not a not a so what get over it, but just like a try and help me like see the bigger picture or yeah to try to globalize things and see well you know it could be worse in this way or that way and to me that's how I calm myself down. But when you're in when most people I would imagine are in a frustrating situation to hear here's how it could be worse. <laughs> Is probably the last thing you want to hear. Because it feels so invalidating. Right. Um, and it, it can make people, it make their feelings seem insignificant. Um, but it's just, it's one of those things where I don't have, when I get frustrated about little things, it can crush a whole day. And I don't have time for that. And I don't want to see other people do that, which other people probably don't. And that's kind of the issue that you and I have is I see myself having the the frustration you're having ruining my whole day. And so I'm like, if I can prevent her from falling into this hole, I'll save her whole day. Whereas for you, if you just say it out loud, it's over. Yeah, if I just vent it and feel validated in it, it's over. I'm done. I don't even, I don't think about it even like half half a day later. I'm not even aware that I was even mad earlier. And yeah, I have no concept of how you pull that off. So... I give you the cure I need. Right. Instead of giving you what you actually need. Which is what we do in relationship, right? We give each other what we want. 
um, or what what's useful to us instead of necessarily what's useful to the other person. But for me, when that happens and when I feel invalidated, I then am like, well, okay, forget it. I'm just, I'm not going to share. And so then that kind of shuts down the whole communication process. So when I like, when I feel anger or anxiety or fear, well, first of all, anxiety and fear for me is what's underneath irritability and anger. Um, I want to appear all the time to have it all together, even with you, even with my spouse who like knows me inside and out. I still want to appear like I have it all together. I plan things out of my head. I manage my anxiety with preparation. And when there are inevitable bumps in my life, I get angry. Uh, whether that's the morning's not going the way I think it should, I get angry rather than acknowledging what I'm really feeling, which is like I don't have control, like I didn't plan it out well enough. I get angry at whoever caused the bump. I get angry at myself for not anticipating the bump. And then I feel shame. I feel shame because I was anxious, because I was in my mind weak, um, shame because I was being rude, or shame because somehow I'm supposed to have it all together all the time. And I don't. And when I feel shame, I either get angrier or I shut down. And I get quiet. I don't communicate. And again, it makes me not want to share what's going on inside for me and basically just not be vulnerable. I mean, being vulnerable is hard. I think it's hard for most people. It's not something that's encouraged in our in our world or our um, society at all. And so as a way of avoiding vulnerability, I just might be angry um or have like this you know kind of shut down see i find that interesting i come from a family where we're extremely private like everything is a secret like not things that are worth being secrets like the temperature might be a secret (laughs) it's just one of those things like between uh like my mom and my sister and i like everything is just assumed but to be between us. Uh, but that cultivates this weird situation where you can be as vulnerable as you want to. And so like in the, in the nuclear family, we didn't really have issues being open and vulnerable. Uh, and so for me, like I take it personally when you don't want to be open and truthful with me because I'm like well what's what's wrong I'm your husband like you know like who else can you do this with if not with me and it, it I take it extremely personally but it's again it's one of those things of I'm used to a different deal like my right training essentially is different I mean I don't I'm not speaking for how you were brought up or anything but oh no no definitely my family struggles with emotions but um, I don't know I'm not saying that I'm saying not. my family is just crazy open. Like we're w- growing up at least. We're right. getting weird now. But <laughs> <laughs> but what's interesting about it is it's not that I don't want to be vulnerable with you. I mean, that's part of it. I don't want to be vulnerable with me. Like I don't want to acknowledge what's really underneath. I can just say, it's just a bad day. I'm just angry today. I'm just whatever. When really it's, no, I'm anxious because I don't have it all together. And it's back to those like doubts and fears about myself as a person that like I'm not measuring up as a person. I'm not worth enough as a person because I'm not performing enough. I'm not like up to the task of this perceived like perfectness. It's very interesting. 
like we were just saying, when you're upset about specific things, you can just vocalize that and be done. And then there's other situations where your frustration you don't want to deal with. Right. And so it stays this global deal that kind of messes with your day, essentially. And then for me, like, I want to pinpoint everything. And even if I pinpoint it, it's not going anywhere. I'm still getting mad about it. Right. But I just like to know exactly what it is. So I, I like to be an open book in that way just so I can put a pin in it. It right. doesn't resolve anything for me. Yeah, this, I just, this guy can uh, fester on something. With, absolutely. I mean, it's unbelievable. Absolutely. I'm fantastic at it. It's probably my best quality. For sure. <laughs> You know, that actually is kind of an interesting thing we could talk about. Uh, Another part of communication that's probably really important to discuss is when to have the tough conversation. When these communication breakdowns occur, obviously, these can lead to fights. In any couple, you have to kind of figure out how each other deals with frustration and confrontation, uh, how long someone's going to be upset about something, but also how long it'll take to talk those things out. You need to know those answers to know when you can have the conversations. Because one thing that we do, hopefully better now, but have been just terrible about. Oh, the worst. uh, When we decide to have the tough conversations, we don't have time for them. Um, I wait till nighttime. And not just nighttime, you guys. I am in bed, lights out, laying down when he's like so what do you think about or you know this was this today or yeah like i wait in my head it's a i don't want any distractions from it i want to be able once the conversation starts want to be able to finish it which is fair Uh, totally fair because there are a ton of distractions in our life yeah like we have two children and you know and that's the other part that's that's b I never, growing up, saw my parents argue about anything. And I legitimately didn't think they did. I didn't think that they disagreed about anything. I didn't think they fought. I didn't think they argued. I didn't think they ever had any problems whatsoever because I never saw them. And I don't know if they were doing the same thing I tend to do and waited till we went to bed or did it over the phone during the work day? I don't know when they had, the, they obviously had their issues, which, you know, I only know from having conversations with them later on in life. And, you know, my mom will say a thing here. Or my dad will say a thing there where I'm like, oh, you guys like aren't perfect. Because <laughs> I, I really thought they were perfect. So anyway, I didn't like to have any form of confrontational conversation in front of the kids. Because I didn't want them to think that there was a problem with mom and dad. Well, yeah. And you don't want to have huge fights in front of them where they have this anxiety that like you're going to get divorced or something bad is going to happen or anything like that. Right. But it shouldn't be as extreme as I don't want to have any form of disagreement at all. Absolutely. And that's what we've talked about is that how important it is for kids to learn conflict resolution from their parents and learn that you can have disagreements and you can have communication issues and resolve it not that they need to know the ins and outs or the details or anything like that but for them to know that like 
mommy and daddy are frustrated with each other or like for us to have a little disagreement about something and see that it gets resolved and that things move on and it's okay. Yeah, my thinking... It's hugely that, important for kids. My thinking that my parents never had disagreements literally ruined every relationship I had up until you. Oh, yeah. Because the second I would have a fight of any magnitude with a girl that I was dating, I just broke up with them or found a way for them to break up with me or got distance from them or was like, this is never going to work because people in good relationships don't argue, which what? is insane. Why did it change with me? I liked you enough. Like, that's really what it was. It was one of those things where it was like, I was just waiting for the fight to be like, okay, yeah, this is over. And then with you, we would have our little arguments or giant ones if you happen to be uh, on campus at the University of Oklahoma uh, from 2001 to 2003 or so, (laughs) or I guess two to three. We had some good ones. Um, But no, I just, you were, I don't want to like, you were worth the fight. Yeah. For as sappy as that sounds. Um, So in some ways it was good, but you know, I... I was quick to get rid of people. But anyway, like I was saying, when we have our little arguments, I'll wait till nighttime. And Deanna is one of those, like, the second she sits still, she's going to sleep no matter what. And so it's difficult. And I've always been that way, not to interrupt you. But it is so much worse now. Yeah, well, obviously, yes. It's much more difficult with two kids and, you know, 40 50 60 hour work weeks and and one who doesn't sleep but i have always been that way yeah so i'm like 90 miles an hour and then zero i'm out asleep so anyway and it's it's definitely not fair to try to have you cannot argue with me and be fading in and out of consciousness (laughs) oh y'all this this guy is a lawyer i'm way too good at it (laughs) i get lawyered in case you watch uh how I met your mother. How I met your mother. I get lawyered all the time. But yeah, my my problem is I wait too late in the day, um, and then D <laughs> likes to have conversations, deep ones, hard ones, as I'm walking out the door to go to work in the morning. Yes, because I'm awake and I've had my coffee and I'm ready to talk. I think it's because you know I don't have time to to do it, so you know it can't get too uh, stacked against you. <laughs> Oh, I'm sure that's a part of it. I'm sure there's a part of me that is all about like, okay, we can go there a little bit, but I don't have to get super vulnerable. I don't have to like really delve into this and I can't get lawyered. So I'll just start this conversation now. Absolutely. But it's so important that you talk about these kinds of things and figure out like what's your MO, like in conflict resolution, in having these tough discussions, what are the things that you're going to do that are, that are going to be problematic? And like, so now we know timing is so important for us. We have to figure out a time where we're going to have enough time. We're both going to be awake and we're both going to be able to like give it the proper attention that it deserves. And that is hard. Yeah. And you also kind of need to know how you can be the most effective in the conversation individually. Uh, and figure out how to maximize that. So like for me, if I can spend a little time thinking about it first, I can get the heat of the argument out. So 
um, to some extent, whenever you try to try to start a conversation on the way out the door, it almost is kind of helpful for me because I can get in the car. I can be angry in the car and flesh out what I'm really angry about. So by the time we actually do have time to talk about it, I'm not hot-headed. I'm not saying things I don't mean or flying off the handle. I can say, look, this is exactly what bothered me because I had all morning to think about it. Right. And in, in some ways, that I mean, that is really important because when you get angry, I'm really good at playing the victim, at like being all meek and quiet, which is not really who I am. And that just makes you get even more angry. <laughs> and it's like this whole back and forth thing. So it's better if we can have a level, like level-headed, but real conversation. It would be better though, if I just said, hey, why don't you think about this today? I'll think about it today. Let's talk about it tonight. Instead of like pushing your buttons right before you leave for work. Another point that I think is really important for people to think about is the whole tilt of a conversation has nothing to do with the person who initiates it. It's all about the response. Mm-hmm. Um, so regardless of how one of you comes at the other, if you can respond with some form of sympathetic thing, something that you get where they're coming from, don't match anger with anger. Uh, but try to find some kind of common ground or something. But you you also, can... Yeah, you also can't match it with indifference. No. Well, that's the same thing, though, to me. Well, okay. <laughs> that's probably That's probably uh, some insight for you. Um, but, but you're right. I mean, you have, to, you have to meet the person with compassion and kindness and understanding. And if you can... If you can do that instead of trying to prove them wrong, which I am horrible about, I am always trying to defend myself and always trying to like be like, no, but 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 really, it was just this or that or whatever. I'm I'm horribly defensive. But if if I can, that is something I, I work on because if I can just meet you with, let me hear what you're really saying here. Let me just let me listen, and and try to figure out what it is and get more clarity than right. That's the third one. That's the third step is, you know, if you don't get it or here's the thing, your significant other, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your husband, your wife, whatever, your partner, they are not trying to offend you. More often than not, they are not trying to incite something out of you. So if you hear something that just really lights a fire in you, there's a chance you just misunderstood what they really meant. Or maybe out of their frustration, they didn't speak as clearly as they should have. So instead of just assuming, I can't believe she said that to me, just say, hey, look, this is what I heard. And that's something that you do really well. Yeah, I'm a therapist. I will, I will, well. Oh, no, I meant the language of it. I don't do it. <laughs> I meant the language. But no, you'll say, look, this is what I heard you say. Uh, and... Typically, if you can do that, if you can say back what you heard, you'll be shocked at your significant other's response. They'll say, what are you talking about? I didn't say that or mean that or anything like that. Uh, and so like, don't just assume that the person you love just said the meanest thing in the world to you. Yeah, you need to operate under the assumption that they love you 
and that they only want good things for you and that they only want to be kind to you. And Now, if you're wrong and you do that and you're like, hey, you didn't mean this, and they're like, yes, I did, then, you know, you've got a whole other conversation to have. Yeah. I mean, and, and in that situation, then it's, you know, if you guys are at the point where you're so frustrated with each other that you're being mean to each other, that you can't operate under the assumption that this person loves me and cares about me and only has my best interest at heart, then it's time for professional intervention. Then it's time to really, you know, look at at getting some healing happening in that relationship. If you're married. Yes. If you're not married, that might be time to just end that relationship. Just cut it. But otherwise, you should be able to operate under the assumption that this, this person cares for me. And so maybe I need to just, you know, take a minute. Let me see if I can have proper time for a conversation? Can I respond with kindness and empathy? And can I ask for clarity and figure out what's going on here? And you'll be surprised at how effective and helpful that is. And also kind of be aware that, you know, this is baby step stuff. You're not going to expect to become the best communicators the next day or uh, the next time something comes up. But you know, being able to be aware of each other's strides towards a common ground uh, does a lot. You know, like we we still have our communication breakdowns, but we also can see that each other is trying to be a little more open and a little more aware of the other person's normal and pliable to those things. That in and of itself can make the whole difference just to see that the other one's trying. Absolutely. It makes you feel like they care, that they care to learn about your normal and and try to uh, create you guys' own normal, you know, kind of your own new normal. And I think that that's really important and really valuable. Absolutely. Uh, so that is going to do it for this episode of the You're Not Listening to This podcast. We hope that you enjoyed it this time. Um, If you did, let us know uh, on Twitter at Will D Jam, W-I-L-L-D-E-E-J-A-M, or shoot us an email at WillDJam at gmail.com. If you feel like it, you can follow my blog at BetweenTheNotes.me, or check out these podcasts on SoundCloud at SoundCloud.com slash You Are Not Listening. It's the letter U, the letter R not listening so d you got anything else you want to say no thanks so much for those who joined and don't forget to send us your questions well as always we love you even though we don't know you thanks you for listening to your not listening